I read constantly, which means my ability to pronounce things is dubious. It turns out I've even been saying bourgeois wrong. I think how I pronounce those German words will send Germans into despair. Knowing that when somebody's listening, it's me, will help me sleep better at night. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet national security reporter Spencer Ackerman, journalist Carla Power, and investment banker and professor Jonathan Nee. Go behind the mic to hear what it was like for these seasoned writers to record their latest books on audio. Spencer Ackerman on what engaging an endless war has done to America. Carla Power on the controversial field of de-radicalization, and Jonathan Nee on what really makes the biggest tech companies tick. Plus, find out who described recording their audiobook as a fun marathon. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Spencer Ackerman, author of Reign of Terror, How the 9-11 Era Destabilized America and Produced Trump. I wrote my book because a scary cultural amnesia has set in about the war on terror that the U.S. launched after 9-11. I've been a national security reporter for nearly 20 years, so for almost the entire war, and yet I kept hearing politicians and media figures talk as if the 9-11 era was somehow past. When Trump got elected, there were many good, salient analyses of what had gotten him into power, but none of them tended to mention that for the past 20 years, America has been continuously at war, licensing restrictions of basic freedoms and institutionalizing violations of people's basic human rights. Making matters worse, the wars have been as disastrous as they have been endless, something that doesn't rest comfortably within the context of aggrieved, violent patriotism shaping the war on terror. That seemed to me to warrant reinvestigating what accepting endless war has done to America. Spoiler, it was what people like Arundhati Roy, Joan Didion, and Susan Sontag predicted. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. I got to see my old friend Jesse Cannon and spend time with him in his recording studio, Brooklyn Recording Paradise, for the first time since the pandemic. That made the experience meaningful instead of just more work. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a shocking number of words and names, by no means most of them foreign. I've been in journalism for half my life, but I don't really watch TV news or listen to radio. I read constantly, which means my ability to pronounce things is dubious. It turns out I've even been saying bourgeois wrong. I'm excited for listeners to hear the way I don't do anyone's accents, but try to use the cadences of their speech. This, I guess, is the exception to my I only read the news rule. When narrating, it's easy to forget a listener can't see quotation marks to cue them into when a quote is ahead. I figured I would try to not sound like the narrator during those moments. Hopefully it works. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast the singer-songwriter Ted Leo to read it. Ted's voice is a gorgeously tuned instrument, rich and complex in tone, capable of conveying multiple layers of meaning with masterful economy. His acting work shows his versatility no less than his music does. I hope one day we'll get to work together. 
The last audiobook I listened to that I loved was Harry Lloyd narrating A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms by George R.R. R. Martin. That is admittedly cringe, but in my defense, it's also the last audiobook I listened to many years ago when my daughter was a newborn and audiobooks were easier than books. Harry Lloyd has a lovely timbre to his voice and tells stories wonderfully. Definitely with my newborn sleeping on my chest. That's my favorite way to enjoy an audiobook. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Throughout the spring and summer of 2001, the world's most powerful security apparatus collected and issued warnings of what appeared to be a forthcoming attack on the United States, its allies, or its interests. It was more than a threat to America. It was a threat to them. They were the stewards of American power. The CIA, the National Security Agency, the uniformed military, the FBI, and all the other intelligence and law enforcement adjuncts that made the U.S. the dominant global force of the post-Cold War era. Hi, this is Carla Power, author of Home, Land, Security. Tell us about your book. What inspired you to write it? I'd been dodging talking about extremism and terrorism for years. I had written a book about the Quran, and when people raised issues of terrorism or extremism that were linked in their minds to Islam, I said, don't be silly. That's not part of Islam. And I batted it away. And then I was talking to somebody in Texas, and they said to me, look, why is it that the only people who talk about extremism are the extremists themselves? They get to have the last word, and they get to sort of define the terms. And suddenly I thought, actually, that's kind of right. So I wanted to sit down and sort of chip away at this kind of cold, hard nugget of what makes a terrorist and sort of look at it and see whether, you know, if indeed once a terrorist, always a terrorist, can terrorists or extremists be changed? If you had to describe what it was like to record your audiobook in one word, that word would be? Fun marathon. We had a lot of fun. Paul's a great director, and Luke was gentlemanly and obliging and a fantastic sound recorder. We laughed a lot and had all sorts of discussions about British and American culture since we were on opposite sides of the Atlantic. So it was a lot of fun. Is there a word or phrase that you realized you didn't know how to pronounce? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, many. The elaborate German words that they have coined either for de-radicalization methods or indeed for facing your own history. And I'm not going to try to recreate them here, but there was a lot of Googling and a lot of practicing before I actually said them on tape. I think how I pronounce those German words will send Germans into despair, but might delight other listeners with their tongue-twisting qualities. Who is your dream narrator, living or dead, if you hadn't done it yourself? Mark Rylance, the great British actor who seems to embody empathy and wildness. And now, 
listen to a clip from my audiobook. Under a November sky, damp and gray as a dirty dish rag, I traveled from my home in Brighton up to Birmingham in the British Midlands to meet Nicola Benyaya, the mother of a young man who'd fought for ISIS in Syria. I was nervous. In the days leading up to the meeting, Nicola's image had grown to mythic proportions in my mind. As the militant group intent on establishing a caliphate had gained land and followers, I'd been drip-fed horrors about hardened warriors who had put a Jordanian pilot in a cage and set him alight, who had made Yazidi women into sex slaves, who had tossed men off buildings for being gay. What kind of woman could have raised one of these fighters? Hi, this is Jonathan A. Nee, author of The Platform Delusion, Who Wins and Who Loses in the Age of Tech Titans. I wrote my book because I had noticed, both in my work as a professor at Columbia Business School and as an investment banker at a firm called Evercore, that people were drawing the wrong conclusions from the emergence of the massive digital companies that have rocked our world. Their growth certainly is important on a whole number of levels, but the particular lessons that people were drawing were leading them to make terrible decisions regarding investing and even for the students at Columbia Business School regarding what they wanted to do for a living. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be long. (laughs) But I kind of enjoyed it because if I had not become a professor and an investment banker, I secretly wanted to become an actor. And I was not admitted into Yale Drama School, so I'm able to imagine what my world would have been like if I had gone down that route and not feel that bad that I didn't. I realized I had trouble pronouncing pretty much anything that ended in L-Y, And I also realized that I wrote sentences that were unconscionably long. I'm just glad that it will be my voice that will be heard when I'm telling the story because subtle differences in how you say the same sentences make a big difference. So knowing that when somebody's listening, it's me, will help me sleep better at night. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast another professor at Columbia Business School named Bruce Greenwald, who has a fabulous, booming voice and whose ideas were really the inspiration for this book. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. The platform delusion most often manifests itself subtly as an unspoken assumption underlying confident assertions regarding the direction of the economy or the imagined invincibility of a particular enterprise. Regardless of exact terminology, the platform economy, the platform revolution, and the platform effect have emerged as common terms. The central fallacy relies on a consistent mythology and the confident expectation of world domination by a select few mega-platforms. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. 
Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.